Hey everyone, I'm Audio Nerd 64. And I'm Big Nakuma. And we are your gamer friends. Gamer friends. Gamer friends. You just insist on annoying me like that. I do. Just mm-hmm. I mean, writing out a damn melody. No. Anyway, we got a lot to catch up on. We're going to do it. We're going to do it fast. <laughs> we have such a good interview. We do. That's why we're going fast, really. Because it's a long, it's it's worth it, though. It's, it's a good, long form interview with, should we surprise them? Well, I guess if you read the show notes, it won't be a surprise. Yeah, there's no surprise here. Carolyn Pettit makes a return. Very exciting. Incredible fan of her work. And so happy that she's decided to come back. I know. I'm always like, when we ask someone twice, you sure you want to do this? (laughs) Definitely the silver lining of 2020. And we're happy to be bringing you one last episode to close out your year. Yay. It's been a dumpster fire. Speaking of dumpster fires, we're going to log on with Cyberpunk 2077. That's a dumpster fire. Super Meat Boy Forever and the Game Awards. These past two weeks in nerddom, we're finally going over the Disney Investor Day shenanigans, I guess. They own way too much. Wonder (laughs) Woman 1984 and general DC news. Nonsense, I think, was the word you wanted for. And in the party chat, as we just said, Carolyn Pettit makes a return appearance on Gamer Friends and we get into Cyberpunk 2077 and Watch Dogs Legion. Okay. Let's kick off by saying there's like one pretty big release, uh, Super Meat Boy Forever. And it has disappointed a lot of people. <laughs> I, can you describe what Super Meat Boy Forever is? No. Um, I never <laughs> played it. So I think it's a, wow. it's like, a, it's not, is it a side scroller? I, I I don't know very much about it. I know it is beloved, but I've never seen it. I I didn't play it. And the reviews seem to think that some more modern takes on the genre, whatever that genre is, um, seem to have done it better. Wow. What endorsement? Yeah, I cannot endorse at all. I I haven't played any. I I would be the worst person to ask about this. I don't know anything about Super Meat Boy. All I know is that the name makes me sick, and I don't want to play it. That's fair. Well, I guess maybe we should. If you if you play Super Meat Boy, let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> well, one game we can talk a lot about ad nauseum about too much about maybe in some people's ear holes is. Cyberpunk 2077. Since you've last heard from us, the game has been pulled from the PlayStation Store. Xbox is giving refunds. Everyone is giving Everyone refunds. Everyone is giving refunds. Lots of money lost, lots of money gained, a hot mess, patches, hot fixes. The saga has not ended, unfortunately. Yeah, everything is a huge mess. I think you hit the the big points. The timeline basically is that the game came out. The reviews were overwhelmingly positive with an asterisk. 
the asterisk got bigger and bigger and bigger until it turned into the disaster that we all are aware of. Turned into um, its own separate review, honestly. Like yeah, the review came out and then it was like the post review. A lot of reviews did actually score down based on the console version. So they were completely towing the line between like pissing off CD Projekt Red and being honest, which I think was an interesting <laughs> position. They're like, we want to be as honest as possible so that we don't get, you know, dragged by our audience. And also we want merch for the next game too. So, yeah. So it got pulled from the PlayStation store specifically because CD Projekt Red made comments about oh, if you need a refund, just go to Sony. And Sony doesn't do it like that. And there was no arrangement behind the scenes, which is what was implied by CD Projekt Red's statement that such refunds would exist. And so I think that Sony just kind of went to the nuclear option and completely pulled it from the store. It has not been pulled from the Xbox store. You can still buy it, but they are giving unconditional refunds to anyone who bought on console. GameStop is giving refunds. Like, all the major retailers are giving you your money back. I think unless you were on PC. If you're on PC. Yeah, your game is fine. I mean, well, minus. If you have the hardware, your game is fine. Mm. It's still the same fundamental <laughs> issue. Yeah, if you pay $2,000 for a graphics card, uh, <laughs> then your copy is, of that game is just fine. Yeah. Yeah, this shit was absolutely wild. And Sony said, not today. We don't have time for this. Take a little game off the store. That was the wildest part to me. So I was like, oh, hold the fuck up. That was pretty unprecedented. <laughs> like, yeah. Arkham Knight got taken off of PC marketplaces by Warner Brothers, though. It wasn't like Steam said, this game is broken. We're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna allow you to sell this. Uh, it was the developer. So I think this is a first. I I think it might be. Congratulations, uh, the CD Projekt. <laughs> uh, the stock took a dive. Public trust in the company took a dive. Like, their reputation's in the shitter. However, they still managed to sell the most copies ever of a game for PC for a launch. They recouped their entire development costs just from pre-orders alone. And I think they ended up with, what, 13 million sold after refunds? Wow. Um, so it, it's not all bad news for them, except the part where they got sued. Uh, their investors, their American investors, are suing them. <laughs> we don't do that over here. That's- and <laughs> it's just gonna it's gonna keep being a disaster, I think, because at the end of the day, uh, and we do discuss this later with Carolyn, at the end of the day, when you fix all the bugs, there is still a physics engine that's not as good as GTA seven years ago. There's still a lot of gaps in terms of what was directly promised and what they delivered in terms of the open world and the storyline and all that kind of stuff. I just, I think the long-term story of this is only going to get worse, even if financially they end up okay. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be pretty. Um, The video essays next year are going to be plentiful. (laughs) I can't wait to watch them all. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. It's going to be good. The Game Awards also happened. 
I've split this up into two sections. So we have the Game Awards announcements and then the actual awards of the Game Awards. Um, right. You know, because <laughs> it's half a commercial, half a. Is it even half a? Co- it's three fourths <laughs> to five eighths a commercial, and there are some awards thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically just E3. It's so odd. Like, I couldn't imagine. Like, could you imagine if the Oscars worked like that? Like, you were just watching trailers for the next year's movies for most of it. It is extremely weird. Actually, that might be more enjoyable (laughs) for the Oscars. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, well, you know. Um, So, let's just go down the list. Okay. Why, Why don't you start? Sephiroth is coming to Super Smash Brothers, which I know a lot of people are excited about. I never played those games, so I feel neutral about that, but I'm happy for y'all. Uh yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh I I just don't play Smash enough uh to to really appreciate this, I don't think. Yeah. But good for Nintendo. I feel like every f- possible fandom now that has interacted with video games can be like, yeah, there's someone I can fuck with in Smash. For the most part, I think so. It's beautiful. Perfect Dark is getting rebooted, or it's a sequel. I'm not entirely sure, but we can finally perhaps put our arguments to rest about the N64. GoldenEye v. Perfect Yeah, I was going to say, GoldenEye has like 24 hours to respond. Well, they announced that a new James Bond is coming out as well. Oh, really? Well, not at the Game Awards, but recently. And so uh, we <laughs> will great. be able to have a Perfect Dark and... James Bond conversation soon. Wow. It's coming. That's amazing. Yep. Back for Blood, Left for Dead spiritual successor is it has been announced. Uh have fun with that. Oh, I can't wait. I oh. will play this. You know, I played a little bit of Left for Dead and it was scary, so I decided to not play Left for Dead anymore. I don't find it nearly as scary, especially once you know the levels and stuff. This one, I don't understand why they didn't just do Left 4 Dead 3. Like, why is it called something else? It is just more Left 4 Dead. I mean, they kept the 4 in there, so I'm glad that they kept some consistency in the branding. Sure. Whatever. (laughs) Callisto Protocol, the team that made Dead Space's new game, um, I'm not going to play that at all. You can pay me enough. With you know, it's funny. I was like, "Oh, Dead Space, it's a classic," and I have two and three downloaded because they're a part of Game Pass. And then <sighs> never opened them. Never. Well, why would you? I don't know. I'd I really was like, "Yeah, it. let's fucking do it." And then no, I just can't do horror. Yeah. <sighs> Disco Elysium, the final cut. Yeah, they announced it for PS4 and PS5. They didn't make any mention of Xbox, so maybe it is not coming to Xbox after all, or maybe it's going to be on Game Pass and they want to have an announcement. Is this like an extension? of? The, is this like a DLC type thing? or I don't really know. I, th- I think that it is probably just a longer version of the game, so maybe like a director's cut kind of thing. Mm. I don't think it's DLC. I'm pretty sure it's not DLC. Dragon Age got a trailer. Uh, people did not respond super well to this. It had no information. There was no title. There weren't, you know, any announcements or indications about what exactly this game was going to be. It was just, you know, some pretty CGI. So <laughs> I'm just glad everyone under Bioware's audience can all be disappointed 
with their subsequent sequels at the same time. <laughs> I think people are just ready to be upset with Bioware. And so True. Bioware is afraid to show themselves, <laughs> but that was the uh get ready to bleep problem. So I don't I don't know what they're thinking here. I hope they turn around. I need I need the old Bioware to come back. I need it. I need it. Arc two. Uh, Vin Diesel is going to be the main character in the ARC sequel, and they also announced an animated series is going along with it, which is cool. Uh, my immediate thought is that I don't know if I'll be able to... Oh, I didn't play the first ARC. I probably, I don't know. We'll see about this one. But my immediate thought was, Vin Diesel? I have no interest in Vin Diesel or the survival <laughs> genre, and so... For me, this is pretty much a no-go immediately. Although it it looked almost like perhaps it was going to be more of a action-adventure type game as opposed to just a sequel to Ark. Like yeah, yeah. in Ark, you create your own character and you're it's a, it's a survival game. If Vin Diesel is the main character of Ark Two, it can't be the same thing, right? So what is it? I don't know. They might be making a really hard pivot, especially with this uh, animated series they announced to go alongside of it. Um, I, I, I'm intrigued because, you know, taming dinosaurs and riding them is very fun. Uh, it, it, it seemed like it might be a game for me, but the survival part was just, no, I don't like it. We'll see. I kind of, I just immediately thought of like Ed Sheeran in that Game of Thrones episode and it, I was like, this isn't believable anymore. So I wonder <laughs> if this is going to have the same problem, but cool. Evil Dead, the game. It's horror. I'm out. No, thank you. Have fun with that. Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to console next year. That's yes! exciting. Yes, I'm so excited. Gonna get a flight stick? Uh, no, but it's gonna be next gen, and I'm gonna fly around and crash into people. Oh, that's that's an interesting way to play that game. I guess that is how most people play that game, huh? <laughs> it takes two. This is from the folks that made A Way Out, that indie collaborative game. Uh, okay. It does look like that vibe. It, it looks very much like, oh, you rascals getting into trouble. But I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm definitely going to play it. Oh, I, yeah, no. I loved a Way Out was amazing. Super good. Very good. Remember, I won. Mm. Evil West. Mm. Uh, more things that I don't know very much about. It, it says evil but it's not like demons or something I, I don't think i don't know it looked more like a like a cowboy kind of game to me to me so like red dead with zombies or like just red dead it just everyone's evil. well i don't know about zombies i didn't actually watch the trailer and so i i'm just going off of the imagery that i've seen and and i think it's more like evil because people are evil not like people are evil demons I could be completely wrong. Either way, this does not seem like something I'm interested in playing. <laughs> the Game Awards are really just not your playground, huh? No, not this year. Oh, man. Among Us. It's coming to Switch and a new map. The airship is coming early 2021. I've seen the map. It looks tiresome. I lost very excited for every it. match already. Already. I'm very excited for it. Sometimes you just have to play games more than a few times. To learn the map, and uh, I think that Among Us is one of those games. Are you trying? Are you trying to say something? I'm not trying to say something. I said it. I said that if you play the game for more than a few rounds, 
you'll learn the map. I'm just saying it's a very big, intimidating map. Hmm. 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 That's rude. I don't... It's just... Ruined King. Uh, this is the first League of Legends, like, it's a League of Legends story kind of game. Oh, great. Um, That's good. Now everyone gets to have a franchise. It's fine. Everyone has a franchise. That's right. I don't know anything about <laughs> League of Legends characters, so I'm not going to pretend to understand what this means or what it's about, but um, it actually looked kind of cool, um, to be honest with you. You going to get into it? No, but uh, it might be something I watch. <laughs> you do you do love to watch a game. I do love to watch love a, a game. Love a good watch. And finally, Mass Effect. Something is coming out. Uh, very pretty trailer. I was very mad at uh, my co-host, Big Nick. I want to talk to him. Like, I told him to talk about him like he's not here. Uh, after watching an image of the legendary Liara Tassoni, turns to me and goes, Who's that? <laughs> And <laughs> Big Nick is canceled. Uh, we have to officially burn. I his couldn't gamer remember card. her name, and I wasn't positive that it was her. Oh, so all Asari look alike? A little bit, yes. Wow, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry they do. I'm disgusted. We have to cancel him. We have to cancel him. Unfortunate. Very unfortunate. They do look alike. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Um, you know, I am excited, but uh since half of the, you know, uh, founding Mass Effect team members have left BioWare and BioWare hasn't really done anything worth uh, me putting any trust in them as of late. Uh I'm I'm just going to see what happens. I'm not going to get excited. I did scream when I saw the trailer. I did. But now with a clearer head, We'll see. Embarrassing. We'll see what happens. I I, I just <laughs> need this fucking. I just want the the fucking remake to come out. Not the remake, the remaster, so I can just live my glory days again. Life was so much simpler. On to the actual winners of the game awards. Um, last time, I think we like went through every category. I'm not going to do that. No. These are the major categories, in my opinion. Oh oh oh. In your opinion, we're like parsing out. We are. You're doing like, oh, you want a Grammy, but like your Grammy is going to be given to you at like 4.30 in the afternoon right. and the not smells. televised. The what? <laughs> okay. When I was <laughs> a baby gay, one of my favorite people was Kathy Griffin. Of course. Of course. And at the time, she was not like, you know... Blue Hat Maja. She was like, you know, funny. That's what we're calling that. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference? At that at that level, you sure. <laughs> They're just changing the color of the hat. Anyway. Anyway. Um, she had a very funny, genuinely funny reality television show called My Life on the D List. Yes, I remember. Her mother was on it all the time too, right? Yeah, she just passed away recently. God damn so it! So sad. Anyway, like this year. I think, yeah, this year. It was either this year or last year. Anyway, Mm. Kathy referred to her Emmy category as the Shmemmies because it takes place on a different day during the day. (laughs) And it's like... (laughs) (laughs) Just show up in sweatpants and like in the the little gift basket is just like a $15 (laughs) gift certificate to McDonald's, like a lollipop. 
it's not that discount. <laughs> no, I know. But, <laughs> but in, in in a celebrity's eyes, yeah. you're like, oh. And her whole thing was like, no one takes me seriously. No one gives me the nicest <laughs> things. And she was constantly uh-huh. scheming to become more popular. That was basically the whole gist of the show. Yeah. It was very funny. Unapologetic, too. You gotta, I gotta respect that. Anyway, the... Shmemi version of this you can get from our show notes there's a link in there to all of the award winners but right now all I'm going to do is run through the major categories uh I'm not even going to tell you what the other games that were nominated were I'm just going to tell you what the winners were and uh we might have some comments so first even though it did not come out this year the multiplayer <laughs> and mobile game of the year among us. They really, I mean, first, congratulations. Yes. Well deserved. Mm-hmm. More than well deserved. I do not have a negative thing to say about Among Us. And also, they really did them dirt. You know how, like, it's like best new artist for the Grammys and, like, Nicki, like for Nicki Minaj, and Nicki Minaj has been active for like eight years putting out fire mixtapes. And it's just like, new artist. What does that mean? That's what I feel like that is. But that's very funny. I just want to draw attention to the fact that all week we've been arguing about whether or not he's a barb because he won't admit Who? to it. And I just think that that was an interesting thing for you. There to are other to. artists that I could have. Who is arguing about mm-hmm. me being a barb? That That is you. not. That has nothing to do. Like, this is not this is completely out of context for this podcast. Inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Very inappropriate. Sports and racing game of the year. <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Of course. Fighting Game of the Year, Mortal Kombat 11. Of course. VR, AR Game of the Year, Half-Life Alex. Like, there are no surprises here. No, nothing is shocking me here. Indie game and action game. An action game. Hades. We have yet to play. Have you yet to play? But not surprised at all. I don't like roguelikes is the problem. I know. Not the problem, it's just not for me. So it's very difficult for me to be like, I'm going to spend money on this Mm -hmm. thing, on this genre that I don't usually enjoy. Yep. It's hard. I'm so sorry. (sighs) I feel you. Uh, Ongoing game, No Man's Sky. And I think it was really interesting that No Man's Sky won because it was up against Apex and Destiny 2. Um, which I think had really good years. Interestingly, none of those games are my ongoing game of the year, which will be in our next episode. Oh, oh, now I want to know what it is. (laughs) Interesting. Action, adventure game, and the overall game of the year went to The Last of Us 2. So let me get this straight. Action game and action adventure are two separate categories. Which makes sense to me. Because like Uncharted is an action adventure game because it is a mix of action set pieces, but also like adventure. Yes. Like Laura Croft. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet. I get it. But then what's just action. I'm pretty sure that Hades is literally you drop in and you start fighting things immediately and you keep fighting things <laughs> until you're done. Okay. Interesting. I don't care. It's just, you know, I just wanted to make the distinction. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get it. How to define things. Um, I just want to shout out, you know, this is a Shmemi category, but I'm so happy that Ghost of Tsushima got art direction because genuinely, I think that Ghost of Tsushima is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. I would agree with that. I cannot wait to play it on a PS5. Yeah. I'm excited for you to have that experience. Yeah. When you can get your 
$3,000 PS5 from a buy on eBay. <laughs> Wait, who got best sound design? You at least throw one in for me. Uh, the Last of Us 2. I didn't play it. Well, and it was called Audio Design, I think was the category name. Oh, I thought about including it for you, but I thought it would be funnier to see if you would ask. Oh. And therefore was then prepared. Wow, way to manufacture this. a moment here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <sighs> These past two weeks in Nerddom, we have like more lists. <laughs> To go through, we have this a, is, another this list. Is, this is I, I. This is not. I don't, Let's break up the list. Let's do the DC stuff first. Okay, I just like don't like reading lists. It's just no, like very. Fun. No one does. This, this is, is a PowerPoint presentation. It's a podcast. Yeah, this sucks. It sucks. <laughs> like I have all this shit I have to talk about. All right, fine. We'll do DC first. Wonder Woman 1984 came out. Uh, extremely mixed reviews. Extremely mixed reviews. It's on HBO Max. You can watch it for whatever that subscription costs. I don't. It's not on my card. I don't know how much it costs. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, can I just? There's say, some racism, apparently. Yes, that <laughs> the mixed reviews are not just a Captain Marvel rehash, where it's a bunch of men who are annoyed that a woman is the movie. main character. Yeah, like there are some legitimate critiques here. One of them include, um a critique of Gal Gadot specifically. So rewind when Gal Gadot was becoming famous, it became clear that she was in the IDF, which is the Israeli defense force, which is a mandatory part of being Israeli. You have to join the military. Should you refuse, you actually get sent to jail. Uh, Probably a little bit. Remember it that? is only a little bit. And there is a movement of people who choose jail instead. Yeah, uh, the the most notable one is the one who she ran like a Swift on security. Yeah, with a Taylor Swift stand account, <laughs> and like she left. People were like, "Yo, where you been?" And she's like, "In jail," because I didn't want to join the IDF. Yeah, so I, I want to make it clear that there are people who believe that what the IDF does is wrong and don't join them out of principle, and that that is not as uncommon as you might think. But a majority of Israelis do serve in the IDF. While she was promoting something, I forget what it was, uh, the IDF killed a bunch of Palestinian children who were playing soccer, and she defended it. And, you know, of course, it's the same Zionist defense, which I will spare everyone. We're not talking about Palestine right now. Um, well, we are, but you you get the point. And in the film, apparently... There is a scene where Gal Gadot, as Wonder Woman, saves some brown, I'm assuming not Palestinian, children who are playing soccer from certain destruction. You are fucking kidding me. People are incensed over this. That is not a real thing that, is, that happens in this movie. Well, we haven't seen it yet. We are going to watch it, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, and I cannot confirm that this is 100% an accurate portrayal of what happens in the movie, but it is something that she really did do. She really did defend the idea of killing some kids. So, like, it would just be pretty gross if that was in the movie. Next episode's update is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm moving on. Ray Fisher. So, uh, we've talked about... The, the investigation that was going on with Warner Brothers, basically just on the set of Justice League. Uh, 
uh, with specifically Joss Whedon and the reshoots. Uh, the investigation is done. Bray Fisher is now basically like, I'm out. If the Kevin Feige of DC, basically, Walter Hamada, is still going to be there. So basically, Ray Fisher is out. Right. No more Cyborg. Or at least they have to recast. Which, like, don't they have to recast with Ben Affleck too? Or did he agree to come back? Is it, I don't know what's going on with that. He, it, it's after the... I think they're still working on the Snyder shit. So he's, you know, it's after the Snyder shit is done, he's out. Uh, Wait, after the Snyder shit is like meaning they're ending the Snyderverse? No, no, no. Just that like when he's finished with whatever obligations he has with this Justice League movie or four part thing that's going to be on HBO Max, he's done. Not like DC is ending it or Warner Brothers is ending it. It's just he is out after he's done with the obligations for this current film. Well, project thing. Unfortunately, I bet it's not that strong of a threat then. If they have to recast Batman, they're going to be okay recasting Cyborg. Who knows? I don't I don't know what DC... I don't, I don't care anymore. Honestly. I'm just, I only have to watch this fucking four-hour thing because I watched the original. So it's just going to be like a thing where I'm going to have to watch just to say that it's like marginally better or worse than what Joss Whedon shit out. I cannot wait. I'm... Furious. I've gone. What from, a perfect waste of my time on Earth. <laughs> I'm so mad. I've gone from not giving a shit at all, as we all know, to this is my most anticipated film of 2021. <laughs> I literally cannot wait. Look, and, and, and it's not even about the movie. It's just about what the internet is going to be like for that week. It is going to be glorious and like i i am look i'm the type of person i don't usually hate watch things i usually will be like look if i'm gonna watch it there's like a reason for it i don't just go in to things for hate or for spite you know just generally but also not in the media i consume and this is gonna be the first i'm literally gonna sit there mad as fuck watching like just eating my snacks as i watch this aggressively just hard breathing the whole time it's not it's not gonna be a fun time. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh whatever. Things to look forward to uh is I guess I'm gonna call it the arrowversification of everything that Disney owns. Ooh, that is a critique. That's spicy. It's loaded, because we all know how I feel about how the Arrowverse functions. I think it is an Arrowversification of Star Wars. I don't necessarily agree about Marvel because, well, we'll get to it. We'll let's, get to let's, it. Let's start there, with there, Star Wars. There are some differences. We're, yes. Let's start with Star Wars. Holy shit. There's Here's so much. So, The Bad Batch, a post-Clone Wars show about clones, animated, coming soon star wars visions which is just anime star wars vignettes coming soon that sounds cool it does actually i love i'm a sucker for an anime-ified thing that's why the original clone wars was like pretty good i think fair a droid story also animated but we don't seem to know much about it i don't know Rangers of the New Republic, 
a Mandalorian spinoff that will touch base with the Mandalorian, I'm sure, at little points in the story. Ahsoka is getting her own show, also a spinoff from <laughs> spoilers. Disney loves transphobic actors. Andor, based on <laughs> the character of the same name for Rogue One, which is arguably the best Star Wars thing to come out in the last 10 years, in my opinion. Well, other than The Mandalorian, apparently, we're, no, we're, getting, better than the Mandalorian. we're getting caught up. We're like five, four episodes in to the season. It the, the first episode was so bad. I think we can all agree Shit. that it was not good. And so we like <laughs> waited a long time. To- we were just like, uh, anyway, <laughs> we're, we're deviating from the list. Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are coming back to be mad at each other. <laughs> <laughs> just remember how Ewan McGregor was just like, this shit sucks. I can't believe I hate this. Blah, 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 blah. And that was actually, you know what? At the end, their like, little fight scene was one of the best things. Oh, yeah. Iconic. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. All the limbs. I'm, I'm excited about the Obi-Wan series. I, I am. That one, I'm, I'm, yeah, that should be fun to watch. The Acolyte is about some dark side user in the High Republic era that's coming out at some point. They're doing a Lando show, but they didn't really give details. Is it like Billy D. Williams? Is it Donald Glover? It better. It should be both. Ooh, yeah. Give Ooh, me like, that you know, at the same time, back and forth. Yeah. And they also announced that the next film is going to be Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins. This is, you know, the one that Wedge Antilles and Luke were leading. Unclear if they're going to have like Mark Hamill in it or something. Um, I don't. Someone said that if they ever need to get a young Luke again, that they should have Sebastian Stan play him. Hmm, that's, that's interesting. Um, they also talked about the Taika Waititi Star Wars film, but that is like super in development. They don't know anything about it yet, or at least we don't know anything about it yet. And that was all the Star Wars stuff. That is so much, and all of it but two things at the very end were all TV shows. That is a huge amount of TV. Yeah, I wonder like how much of this stuff actually was going to be movies, and then 2020 happened. They were like, um, so everyone's staying home. <laughs> can we just uh, flip this around so we can still make money off this shit? Without having to go through AMC. I don't know. I don't know. So the Marvel presentation was, I think, equal parts stuff we already knew and new stuff. That's kind of why I disagree a little bit about the arrow versification comment, just because most of this we knew was coming, and this is spanning like the next four years. Yeah. Uh, I, I For Marvel, I think it... I just... Arrow versification... That's 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 my what is it Wakandification. Mm-hmm. That's my contrib- contribution. It's your con- blue contribution check. contribution. <laughs> Ooh, your contribution. Interesting. <laughs> so to recap, WandaVision is coming out in like two weeks. Oh, so excited! Falcon and the Winter Soldier is still coming in 2021. Loki, What If, Miss Marvel. Uh, by the way, there is a. Hashtag fix Miss Marvel campaign going on because apparently some of the people they cast are awful and some of the people 
are like not representative of the comic book characters. And so I, I don't like entirely. What do you, oh yeah. What do you mean by that? So one of them I think is like a racist, like is on the record saying oh, we, we love awful stuff. Racism. Well, they love transphobia. And so, you know, they do birds, love racism too. Feathers. And I guess the second part is that there are some people who are not playing the ethnicity that they are. Got it. And it's not like, oh, they cast a white person as a brown person, but rather, why did they cast an Indian as a Pakistani or a Pakistani as an Indian kind of thing? Got it. Um, so like a min- for Americans, something that most people would just be like, who cares? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Just to like, not that that's okay. It's good that it's getting down to like that detail. Yeah. We've like passed just <laughs> white people coming. No, it's good. It's good. We're making some amounts of progress. Baby steps. Uh, Hawkeye details came out. They confirmed Haley Stanfield. Uh, She-Hulk, they confirmed Tatiana Monsley. Moon Knight, they did not confirm Oscar Isaacs. And then, of course, the movies that we already know about, Black Widow, The Eternals, Shang-Chi, and Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, Now on to the new stuff. Secret Invasion. Fuck. With Nick Fury and Talos. Very exciting. Yes, very excited about that. Armor Wars, which is a war machine TV show. Ironheart, which is Riri Williams, the next generation of Iron Man. I'm assuming that will somehow be connected to Armor Wars. Uh, Those are the three new TV shows. The rest, new movies, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quant. To mania. Yes. This movie, I just, I feel like this is going to be like uh, Ragnarok except for I them. completely agree. And I'm extremely excited they, a, they cast a black guy as Kang the Conqueror. That's right. And Kang the Conqueror is Kang the Conqueror. Like, that's an exciting villain. It's a very exciting villain. It might be the next bad. It, yeah, like, if not Does, him, then one of his... You know, contemporary. I think Ant Man and the like the Ant Man series, Ant Man and the Wasp. I think it grounds the entire MCU. Oh, Ant Man and the Wasp was incredibly important. I think they're the most important characters. Mm-hmm. What a statement that makes! The impact, the 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 implications. Of I that. think they're the most underrated Marvel movies. I mean, yes, and like also just like in, like as character. God, oh, the commentary, the the meta ness. Of that. (laughs) Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. uh, They're confirming that they'll be introducing America Chavez, a.k.a. Miss America in that. Very exciting. Rumors that she's getting her own TV show um, sometime in the future, too. uh, But that wasn't confirmed. Black Panther 2. It has been confirmed that they are not recasting the legendary Jack Boseman. I could... That felt like that happened five years ago. It did. 2020 is an is is the worst. Trash. Uh, but instead, they're going to focus on, you know, other storylines and characters in Wakanda. Um, I hope Letitia Wright gets herself Repents. together. <laughs> 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 Fucking crazy. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, she, I guess... Oh, shared a YouTube video about COVID and the vaccines from like an account from like Hotep-ish niggas 
<laughs> we're also very homophobic and transphobic. And we're like, girl, what is you doing? But then she was like, think about it. And we were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> With these, that no. Oh my God. I, someone needs to you can't play Shuri and be that dumb. Is yeah, what it really comes down to. yeah. It's kind of like how like when Raven Simone had like all these like really like deep things and that's so Raven about race and shit, and then like she becomes an adult and it's just like I don't know anything. Like yeah. the sort you were you were acting it out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Finally, I'm so fucking excited about this. <laughs> they confirmed. The Fantastic Four film and John Watts, director of Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home is directing. Do you know that Fantastic Four are like my favorites? I knew that they were up there. I didn't know that they were your favorites. They're like, like, like they're like my nostalgia, like. Fuck yeah. I don't remember what this movie was. It was like an animated movie. I can't remember what it was, but it was a Fantastic Four movie. And I loved it so much as a kid. I love the Fantastic Four. The first family of Marvel. The first family of Marvel. The first Fantastic Four movie was not bad. Uh, <laughs> yes, thinking, You know what? <laughs> I I said that out loud. And you know what I thought of? I thought of like the Batman and Robin movie with like Bane. Like I don't remember which. It was with George Clooney. That one. And I know that movie was bad, but like in my mind, it's not. You know what I mean? Like I will not let it be bad in my head. That's what that first Fantastic Four movie is like for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not watched it in like a decade, and I don't want to taint the memory. So we're not gonna. It's whatever. very <laughs> George Clooney Batman to me, but yeah. That's why, the, yeah, because those movies, I watched those as, a, you know, at the, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm excited for them to finally, finally get a proper movie that isn't complete shit. I'm excited. Well, we can only hope. Uh, I, at this point, until Kevin Feige departs, I'm pretty confident that all Just this stuff is going to work. Inject the shit right to my eyeballs. Like, I'll, he I'll gets pay- it. Yeah. Yeah. He gets it. He, he gets he gets it. He finds people who also get it. He A lot lets of the do, fundamental fuckery of DC is that... Is not getting it. They don't get it. And they don't get it on multiple levels. The people at the top don't get it. The directors individually don't get it. And in many situations, the actors simply do not get it. Nobody gets it. However, I, I think that... Marvel's figured out. Like, people get it over there. They get what makes these people magical. I, I just, just like, love it so much. cannot imagine. Like, Batman doesn't kill. That's like the simple... <laughs> like, that's it. And like, Christopher Nolan kind of edged the line and sometimes outright whatever. But like, Zach, what is he doing? He doesn't kill. That's it. Superman doesn't fucking kill. That's it. That is... But you can... (sighs) (laughs) I can't. I'm not going to do this right now. We have to... Excited for all the things. Uh, I do think I'm... There's going to be too much Star Wars stuff for me to watch and enjoy. I just feel... I don't even feel the desire to watch some of that Star Wars stuff. Yeah, like I'm not watching Bad Batch. I'm not watching... A droid story. The fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) 
I only watch Lando if it's Billy Dee Williams. Honestly, if they give me Lando and it's like, it's, uh, I was about to call him Childish <laughs> If it's Donald Glover and they just are like, all right, make Atlanta, but instead it's in space. That's the only reason I'll, I'll fuck with it. That's it. Like he has to have a bunch of like nigga friends or like aliens that could be read as niggas. <laughs> <laughs> and they just run around doing her shit in the galaxy far, far away. Like, when is Atlanta coming back? I, nobody knows. I don't Zazie know. Beats is too popular now. Mate, yeah. She's like, you got to cut that check for me yeah. to come back here and not and just watch you smoke and be a loser for the I whole season. I didn't know her before Atlanta. And so I feel like all of her major <laughs> film stuff happened after the first season of Atlanta. Also, he can't, yeah. he can't afford what's his face either. Brian Tyree Henry. That nigga is booked. And what about an other dude too? Yeah, he can't afford anyone. Oh oh my god, they all blew up because it's just an FX show, right? Like they don't have money like that. They're way more popular than Donald Glover is now. Yeah, Donald Glover needs to put out another album to be relevant again. That (laughs) (laughs) that Mango Island or whatever the fuck film with Rihanna was not. Rihanna film and not sing. Oh all right, we are. God, they were basically all unknowns. <laughs> like they weren't unknowns. But they no, were... they were. They were black famous. Yes, but they were not, not generally exactly. famous. Mm-hmm. And now they're all gener- like she's mm-hmm. in a movie with fucking she's with Joaquin Phoenix. She was in Joker. She was in the White Man movie of 2020. <laughs> 19? 2019? Yeah, twenty nineteen because we saw it in theaters, which we couldn't do that. Yes, yeah. correct. Oh man, Brian Tyree Henry was also in that movie. <laughs> He was. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. He okay. is so fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me to play some music. We got to get to this interview. Please play some music. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> So excited to welcome you to this very special party chat. Returning guest, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, our our future dystopia correspondent? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of weight. We didn't even like <laughs> <laughs> didn't even start the interview. So you're gonna be our <laughs> I have seen I have seen the future and it looks an awful lot like the past. <laughs> uh, Carolyn Pettit is here to grace us with her wisdom yet again. We are so excited for this uh, conversation. Well, I'm yeah, I'm thrilled to be back. We, you know, it's it's always great to talk to y'all and the games that we have to talk about here in late 2020 give us so much great stuff to talk about. So, um so I'm I'm excited to be here. All right. So as you may remember, you can check the uh, show notes for a link. We basically already had a conversation with Carolyn about Cyberpunk, about Watch Dogs Legion. And uh, it was kind of like a preview because we were very interested in these themes that they were presenting. uh, And in particular, Cyberpunk had just uh, exposed us to the second of their transphobia. Of them. <laughs> oh, right, right. That is when we 
folk last. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, oh, we've now played these games. We haven't. Uh, some of us have not finished Cyberpunk, but uh, we've all finished Legion. Uh, we've seen the future of, I guess, fascism. So <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much to discuss. I feel like the mm. elephant in the room is obviously the shitstorm around CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk's release. Um, as a reviewer, I would just love to hear your thoughts. Like, how is this yeah. resonating in the industry? And what is, um, you know, what what kind of line do you have to toe given <laughs> the access uh, that you've had and stuff like that? I think what's particularly alarming about this example of a studio trying to make sure that their game is received in the best possible light mm -hmm. is that, you know, CDPR did something really unusual with the code that they provided to, um, to critics and to reviewers, like in the week ahead of release, in that it was only um, PC code that was made available. And we were told constantly that like, well, a big day one patch is going to happen at launch that's going to sort of fix like, you know, a lot of the bugs, you know, it's basically you will probably experience some bugs while playing it on PC, right. but we're going to, but that day one patch is going to like, you know, they, they wanted us to basically think that all of that stuff was going to kind of be fixed. And um, looking back now, it's like amazing to see how, deliberate and strategic they were in terms of what very little they showed mm. from like base PS4s and like X Xbox ones of the game running because it's obvious that they knew like they knew that those both those versions were not going to run well um, at least not at at launch not at release and they they basically like did everything they could to sort of hide that and i don't know what they thought was going to happen you know when they <laughs> released the game and, and like people players all over the world are like encountering these like just colossal you know game breaking bugs and things like that but um they really kind of i mean gosh they really set themselves up for disaster with that and um you know and this is like it's weird because cdpr and gog are companies that have always like a big part of their branding has always been like we support gamers like right. we're pro we're pro Ugh. gamer and you know which which has that has often had that with some of the like transphobic stuff that they've tweeted say from the the gog account and things like that in the past like has often felt like by gamers meaning like the the <laughs> yes. mainstream like white cis male gamers who who view people who aren't like them as like transgressors in the video game space or whatever. Right. But now they've managed to upset like even those people <laughs> because like what's like the one thing that those people, the like one legitimate reason to be upset at a game or a game company, it's like massive bugs and stuff. So yeah, like I'm going to be really curious to see moving forward, you know, what does CDPR do to try to rebuild that goodwill that they have lost? I mean, it got, these issues are so co complex and multifaceted because like these like broken, busted console versions, I mean, that's even 
with all the delays and all the crunch yeah. and all the like worker, the labor exploitation, that was the result because this game is just so kind of technically demanding and ambitious in terms of its like graphics and scale and all of that. So like Jim Sterling had a, has a YouTube video where the title is basically, it's something like cyberpunk should be delayed for three more years. This was before it was released, right? Yeah, that's kind of true. Like, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want m- more exploitation of like the rank and file CDPR employees to be the cost of getting this game uh, to a place where 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 quote unquote gamers are okay with it. But I also recognize that like that these are legitimate. Just you know, you can't put a game out on PS4 have, you know, millions of people buy it or pre-order it and buy it and then have it not work on just like a basic level. So I do, I think it's, it's such a, a fascinating illumination of like so many of the issues that we sort of constantly have to navigate and negotiate in as fans of games and stuff, mm-hmm. um, kind of coming to a head and like colliding with each other, right? Cyberpunk 2077 is like the ultimate collision of like literally everything that could possibly go yeah like worker exploitation (laughs) queer and trans representation what matters to core gamers versus what matters to the rest of us uh you know all all of these kinds of things it's a fascinating disaster (laughs) yeah i can't wait for like the youtube essays that'll come out of this in like six months it's gonna be good yeah i mean (laughs) you know because so because my thing is and look I mean, when I review a game, I review it from my own perspective. I don't mm-hmm. I don't try to predict what other people are going to say or think about this, about any game, because, you know, I can't. Like, all I can do is be honest about my own experience of a game. Right. And so I could be totally wrong about this because, you know, my tastes aren't always aligned with those of other players. But my feeling is that... Right now, all almost everyone is talking about is like the bugs and the technical issues. And that's understandable given what a tremendous impact they are having on so many people's experiences of this game. However, my feeling is, say all that stuff is fixed and it gets running fairly decently on even on PlayStation 4 and what have you. I don't think this is going to be like a Witcher 3 situation where then like, like people think the underlying game is so extraordinary um, that it becomes talked about as like one of the great, you know, sort of role playing games of the modern era. Like, I just think that even when all the surface bug issues, the technical issues are sort of, you know, sanded away, if, they, if they're refined, if the game is refined, like, I just feel like people's I feel like the overall the general consensus is going to be just that that this game is just not you know, not anything that special, that it's not right. that that cool, that great of a game. Bugs aside, even if it ran like perfectly, it wouldn't be worth the years and years and years of like hype and anticipation and build up that so many people sort of invested in it. Yeah. And I really lay the blame for that at CDPR's feet because mm-hmm. the other day Cedric and I were actually <laughs> watching some of the promotional material. Someone put a super cut together <laughs> of oh, all wow. the promotional materials <laughs> oh, wow. that CDPR uh-huh. had put out and was like poking holes in, 
You know, okay, they right. they promised this and this is not here. They promised this and this is not here. They promised this and huh. this is not here. I lost count of how much that I forgot about, honestly. I was like, oh yeah, we were supposed to be like, I, like have like specific builds or like, right. you know, like the NPCs being, you know, like actual, you know, human beings. With a day <laughs> like, and night right. cycle, like, like they should be going to do things. During the day, yes. and they're just standing on tree corners. And if you look around and you look back at them, they'll be wearing different clothes with a different model. Because it's like, oh, right, <laughs> they aren't individuals. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was reviewing the game and I was on like a really tight timeline, like I didn't yeah. do the kind of GTA mayhem, just open world mayhem stuff that I think reveals just how like transparent, how basic so much of the... Um, the, the crowd AI and the the dr- driver AI in this game is, Oof. right? Where like, you know, you do anything aggressive and, and people freak out. If you turn around and then turn back again, they've ju- they're just all gone. <laughs> it, like what a, what a kind of like duct tape solution. Like we're just going to duct tape over this massive hole in our world's like believability. It's, it starts to feel when you see stuff like that as if Night City is itself a like a, a a cyberspace construct or whatever like V is like in <laughs> in some hallucination right like V is trapped in a in a video game and not in a real oh my god you know as if night city isn't itself a real place their ambitions i think were just so um so massive and it seems like maybe at a certain point when they realized that like if they were going to do half the stuff they wanted to do it would then the game would take like several more years to develop or something that they just started figuring like what's the, what can we do to just like paper over this and, and just, maybe pe- and maybe people won't notice like maybe nobody <laughs> maybe nobody will notice right out. oh my god yeah it's it's I've wild. never seen anything like it is what's so yeah mind boggling to me it's like how how it it really is shocking when you compare some of the things that it does really poorly to games that are much older than it. Yeah. Like, you know, you brought up GTA. GTA yeah. does <laughs> cops better. It oh, does yeah. AI better. Right. It does like almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did they not? How do they not just like, I don't know, reverse engineer what Rockstar does with their, yeah, like pedestrian AI and their like driver, like their their vehicle AI is so much better right? The way other drivers behave and react to you. Like, it is weird, right? Because like, yeah, I mean, that those games existed presumably like, you know, GTA 5 probably came out when Cyberpunk's development was just like really getting underway or, or thereabouts. Like when you peel away the, the visual, um, impre- you know, the impressiveness if you're playing this game on like a high-end PC with like ray tracing and like all the... You know, and, and so so Night City can definitely be dazzling on like a superficial level because of just the the amount of activity and the amount of detail and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the AI, those elements feel when you know when you strip all the all the uh, the superficial stuff away. Yeah, it feels like like it could have been from a you know a two thousand and one open world game or something and <laughs> and so like when I mean I remember seeing this ad on Twitch all the time for the game that that said like something like welcome to the next generation of open world 
games as if it was a, a leap forward for the genre. Yes, and it's and it's it's so not a leap forward for the genre. Like <laughs> uh, you know, on any level. I mean, besides perhaps you could argue visually. You know, you could argue like in terms of its atmosphere, art direction. You know, maybe there's an argument to be made there, but like in terms of its like its core gameplay, like the stealth mechanics are are nothing special. Like the combat AI is like super ordinary and rote. Like the mission design is not, you know, whatever. Like there aren't, there is no way in which this game represents like a, a uh, in my view anyway, a, a meaningful step forward for the franchise. If anything, it feels like you said, you know, outdated already at the time of its release. Like it feels kind of in, in primitive in a lot of ways. You know what I kind of feel about this game? You remember when, um, I think it was Yeezus came out and I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Pitchfork that mm. said it, that ranked it both the most overrated and underrated mm. album in like two mm. separate lists. And I'm just like playing this game and I'm just like, teetering in the middle of it i'm like i don't know if yeah. this is any good which right i might catch right. flames for for saying that i don't know if i think Jesus is a good album even after all these years <laughs> <laughs> but i just uh, i just get yeah, it just i'm just i don't it's it's i don't oh words they're so hard for this game specifically yeah <laughs> i'm i'm really loving the story and the writing sure. and the performances Yes. And that is the only thing that is keeping me playing this game. Right. Because if I want car chases or driving or whatever, I'll just boot up GTA. Yeah. And if I would like to sneak around somewhere and try to assassinate a ton of people unnoticed, I'll just boot up Ghost of Tsushima. And right. <laughs> like <laughs> if I want to hack a bunch of things, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs is, is so right much better yes. at the hacking <laughs> uh-huh. than, than than this game is. I just feel like there are there are in every instance except for the story content and the writing, yeah. there is a game yeah. that does it better. It might not be one game that does all of the things better, right. but like you know, it's it's just not what we were sold. And yeah, you know, you mentioned this. We've been covering this on the show. Folks had to crunch for this and folks had to crunch Uh, for it to be, you know, a a polished turd on console and, you know, barely uh, running as long as you have moderate hardware for PC. So, yeah, it's just it's really frustrating that this wasn't delayed until 2021 and and maybe even 2022. Yeah. And I mean, I'm right there with you that, like, I think, you know, the. For me, the great strength of The Witcher Three—I mean, there's The Witcher Three has a lot of strengths, but but what the one thing that makes it really sing is, I think, the writing and the characters and their relationships, and you know, I think those are the things that, without which, The Witcher Three would be, you know, just another like solid but kind of unremarkable, you know, open world, you know, RPG. But I think we we that game was elevated above. Um, what it otherwise might have been because CDPR took great care with the the characters, the writing. And so I feel like what gives this game whatever value it has is the characters and the relationships and like the moments maybe that you spend with um, with this supporting character or that supporting character. And everything that surrounds that 
is so like rudimentary. It's not, you know, I mean, it's it's a cyberpunk game that that has like like the hacking. It feels so like ordinary. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. I I was I was hoping for like, you know, I've been reading like cyberpunk literature, novels and stuff for decades. And a big part of what make can make cyberpunk literature so exciting is like the fantasy of cyberspace or like the matrix, like hacking things in, you know, the internet or some futuristic version of the internet. That's not here. That's not a thing you do in this game at all. And like the hacking you do in combat, Watch Dogs Legion is infinitely better in that regard. So there's just so many ways in which this game just didn't deliver on, aside from, again, that kind of superficial atmospheric aspect at times. And there's even problems with that that we can get into in terms of how it it leans heavily on tropes of like, um, you know, exotifying uh, Asian culture and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I mean, this feels like an ordinary open world, you know, action RPG with like a cyberpunk kind of um, like coding veneer. <laughs> yeah, veneer. Coding. Yeah. But, but the <laughs> gameplay doesn't feel sort of, it isn't to me as if they set out asking themselves, okay, what gameplay possibilities does cyberpunk as a genre, like really open up for us? What can we do in a cyberpunk setting that we can't do in other settings? How do we like leverage that and capitalize on that to do some really interesting and exciting things with our gameplay. No, it, it this just feels like, again, just a, a sort of ordinary open world game with, you know, with that cyberpunk veneer, which is, un, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I think what I would like to pivot to, because I think this is a good jumping point, um, is just the, the queer representation mm. and sort of how that, I think failed in both Watch Dogs and Cyberpunk. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree that neither game is is great. Um, however, the comparison is really revealing because mm. there are things that Watch Dogs Legion does that I wish Cyberpunk did. So what I mean is, as we've talked about in the show before, transphobia is everywhere in Cyberpunk 2077 and in these ads that you basically, you can't escape them. They're all over the city. Um, And the discussion about those ads has been going on for for years. And, you know, they basically involve a a sort of objectified transgender, you know, model. Um, My feeling is that within Cyberpunk 2077, a player who brings transphobia with them to that game will basically have their transphobia kind of, I think, reinforced in a way or or at least not or at least not disrupted or Mm. questioned or challenged by by the world of that game. I mean, there is yes, there is one canonically trans supporting character who makes a super like offhand comment about, you know, being trans and which doesn't to me feel like like, I don't believe that CDPR asked themselves, you know, what is life in Night City like for trans people? And like, like are trans people part of the fabric of Night City? So I think by contrast, when you play Watch Dogs Legion, I feel like any player, like even if they are like, like um, homophobic or transphobic, you know, if they come to that game, like, I'm not saying the game is going to like change their minds, but <laughs> right. like, like that's too much. But, but what I do think is that 
you can't like navigate around like the queerness and the transness of that game because yes. it's sort of in your face. Right. And and so when people ask me, because you know, I get this sort of hostile, sometimes in bad faith reaction sometimes on Twitter of like, well, you know, what what do you want Cyberpunk to do? Like, what should they have done? And it's like in Legion, like queer and trans people are just part of the fabric of London and you can't like, you can't escape them. They're there. They're <laughs> kind of, ev they're kind of everywhere. We, you know, right. like <laughs> Ooh, you know. cyberpunk, like despite it's, it's, um, you know, like the thing where in the character creator, you can choose your genitals, like, and regardless of the, you know, quote unquote gender of your character, by and large, I found the, the characters that you meet and interact with in that world to be really like pretty gender normative, like yeah. adhering to kind of gender expectations. When I do think of exceptions, like there's one uh, Ripper doc that you encounter who's, I think, very queer coded and he's like a really like unsavory character. So it's like, oh, you're doing that. You're you're kind of making his queerness or his seeming queerness part of what makes him unsavory. Yes. I fucking, I just, I hated it so much because like you walk in and you're like, okay, this person's going to be a villain. And yeah. then, you know, you see this queer coded person and I'm like, come on now. And like, it was fingers. Yeah. It's just. Fingers, <sighs> yeah, yeah. And so like, I just find that comparison super revealing. Like Legion was not perfect in this regard. In fact, you, if you go to Polygon and, you can read a piece by me about where I think the queer representation and trans representation in Legion falls short and where I have issues with it. And yet in comparison to cyberpunk, um, just by virtue of queer people being again, an inescapable part of the fabric of London, it's leaps and bounds ahead because you just don't feel that in night city, despite it being like 2077 in California, you know, like right. where queer and trans people would be, would be there and would yeah. be part of the fabric of that, of that city. Yeah. It just felt like in with cyberpunk specifically that like, and like, I'm saying this as a cis person, but like a bunch of cis people were like, Oh, I think this is what proper trans representation looks like, mm. but not doing a sentence of reading. <laughs> yeah, like there's like, no, there's no like humanizing. I mean, again, uh, yes, again, okay. To with, I think the sort of very minor exception of Claire, a trans sort of supporting character. Like, like I mean, what I want is is trans people and queer people to be just humanized in your again in your experience of the of the city and the game and the world and it bombards you with an image of a of an objectified trans person everywhere you turn the camera in that game practically sometimes it, it feels like that image is there um, i couldn't believe how much i was seeing it i was yeah. like are there any other ads in this game that <laughs> right, they made right. like i yeah, it's yeah. everywhere they treated yeah. the positive trans representation literally like an easter egg and yes. i mean that because claire's car um, in the game has a trans pride flag on it. And to right. me, that almost answers the question of like, what is the place of trans people in cyberpunk 2077? Yes. The answer is they still have to put fucking pride flags on their car. <laughs> and like, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I feel like I wouldn't, I mean, obviously I don't know this. Like, I'm not saying that this is what happened, right. but it's conceivable to me. It feels like 
what happened is CDPR, when the conversation around the chromaticure ads, the, the transphobic ads first exploded, it was like they maybe somebody at CDPR kind of panicked or thought, oh, damn, we better do something to have, you know, positive trans representation in our game. And it was like, what's just the most kind of bare minimum, easy <laughs> thing we can just kind of graft a flag on that truck. <laughs> yeah, just like graft onto this game without like without doing the work of like really developing characters who are visibly trans, who are, right. you know, different experiences of transness, you know, uh, people who are genderqueer, you know, all these kinds of things, like all this territory that it just is like unexplored, it feels very much like, yeah, like let's just cover our asses and do this one thing so we can say, see our game has positive trans representation. And it's kind of, it's almost, uh, it's almost a little insulting um, yeah. in a way. Who was the politician that like very clearly just took out a trans pride flag and like from like its packaging, it just like stuck in front of the door, like not even like steaming it or anything. Uh, I, remember, uh, I can't remember who it was. I don't remember. I have to look it up. It was like very, can you know what I'm talking about. They just like unfolded and it was like, yay. <laughs> and we're like, y'all, you literally just took that out of the package. And like, what right. are you saying? <laughs> like, what are you, what, like, uh, it's just, yeah, it's. Yeah, it, it feels like that. I find all of this so interesting because what made Legion so appealing to me is right off the bat, I got like three genderqueer people on my team. And mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. again, it wasn't, it wasn't like I picked them out of a crowd necessarily because there definitely are visibly queer people in legions London, but like, it was just part of the game. If, and and if you didn't read their bio, you were never going to see it. And that's right, a critique right. of legion and V I think, which is that, you know, there's not really a solid backstory per se for any of the characters you're playing in Legion or V you kind of have to do a lot of that heavy lifting yourself. And I think that's fine. I think it's okay to ask gamers to have a little bit of an imagination and like come up with a backstory for, you know, a game that literally allows you to play as any character. Um, I get that the life path situation with cyberpunk is a little more controversial because they probably should have given you more of a background into who your character was and made that life path choice count for a bit more considering how much they hyped up the marketing of that particular aspect of the game. Yeah. Yeah. But all that aside, I think it just builds a, a better world to have people included naturally in the way that I think Legion's London did a really good job of. And that cyberpunk, as you mentioned, didn't do such a great job of. You really have to mm. find the queer people. Uh, right. There are so few Asian people who speak without um, accents, yes. which is yes. bizarre to me, knowing what the current racial makeup of California is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously, like, like that's a huge issue with this game. And, and I mean, it's, it's like, to be clear, you know, if you have a character who gets off a plane from Japan, uh, you know, I was like, so you have these Arasaka like executives and, you know, Arasaka family members who like reside in Japan and they have Japanese accents. They're from Japan. Like, Nobody, I don't think anybody's saying like just simply having Japanese characters with Japanese accents is like is inherently on its face racist or what what have you. But but like you also have the Tiger Claws, right? A gang right. that's um, that's made up, I think, almost entirely or entirely of of Asians. And I mean, but you don't have like, yeah, you don't have 
many people who seem like um, Asians who are California or Night City natives, right? I mean, who are who have like who speak who sound like V or other uh, white characters in you know in the game or other characters who have lived in Night City, you know, for like maybe for generations or what? I mean, it's it's very clear that CDPR thought of Asian people in this game as largely a way of lending the game's world that kind of frisson of exotification that properties like, you know, going back to to Blade Runner, you know, have um, used sort of Asian people and, and Asian, you know, neon signs and imagery to kind of give their worlds this feeling of like, um, yeah, it's America, it's Los Angeles in the case of Blade Runner, or it's Night City, you know, a fictional California city in the case of cyberpunk. But like, look how much stuff looks, you know, like Japanese influenced or what have you. But it's like, so many of the Asian people you encounter, they feel like outsiders. They feel like they are sort of antagonistic in some way, and they don't really feel like they're just um, part of the, again, the inherent fabric of Night City as a as a place. Yeah, I think this reminds me of, I don't remember who tweeted this, but it was a very good tweet about how Mass Effect had the same issue mm-hmm. with the one mm. Asian target that the very, out of the, you know, trilogy of games, you know, yeah. they have one Asian character who also fell victim to that and you know, right. I think it's interesting how V is just always coded as white. Like I had it right. like, when I started the um, the Voodoo Boys um, oh, mission. Yeah, and like yeah. my V is black, and like they're speaking right. Creole, and like he's like, "What yeah. are they speaking?" I'm like, "Come on!" Like I think, <laughs> yeah. right? I think right. most right. black people <laughs> would have yeah. interface with enough you know, diasporic black people to be like, oh, they are speaking Creole. So of it's like course. these like weird, like funny, small things that always, and I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't even, it's like, it's frustrating. It's like, okay, like we just put yeah. a black paint on, on top of V and yet <laughs> Right. V Creole. has a, V has an intrinsic whiteness, no matter what, you know, what you do in the character creator. And I mean, I've read, Twitter threads that are from Asian American players that exhibit that basically express the exact same sentiment about like these encounters with Asian people of like the, all it's all these like little things that just feel off in the way that V like like why doesn't V like know this or why doesn't V recognize this or understand this if she or he is Asian like they should know this but and it's because V is centered is, you know, the center of this story. So therefore, V is not like exotic. V is, you know, at the center of like the normal C spectrum mm-hmm. for this game. It becomes very clear what the the default perspective of this game is and that you, you yeah. whatever, you, you can't do anything to change that. It's um, just begging for like more development, I think. Because that, to me, in a a next generation of third world gaming where you get to create your own character kind of situation, my ideal character creator includes background information. And it would be easy just to implement, I mean, not easy, but like you can implement different dialogue options at certain crucial points where like a diverse writer's 
team would understand that certain V's are going to interact with certain gangs differently depending on, you know, who that V is as a person, but we don't ever really get to choose who V is as a person. We only get to choose um, what the V next looks like. Dumb and, thing that they said. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, something they say. I ugh, I'm not gonna get into it too much, but I just like V's writing stinks. I'm sorry. And then like I, I also hate playing the game right now because I don't like the the I don't like his the voice actor. I keep making the sure. joke that he's like halfway to a Batman voice, and it's really distracting. Yeah. So V, I, I mean, I played. <laughs> I, I played as a I played as a you know female V, but I similarly felt like so basically, you know, you have V and Johnny are, you know, they're literally inseparable. And I found the dynamic between them not very interesting because I think, you know, Johnny is um uh he's so kind of guarded and cynical and like world weary. And all of these things that, um, you know, he seems he seems to me like a person who has a a lot of walls up and getting at anything real in him is 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 basically impossible because he's got those defenses up. And V then also seems like somebody who's trying to, like, put on airs and be like kind of tough. And um, and I kept expecting there to be interesting character development and for them to maybe maybe grow as people together, like to kind of maybe the, their defenses would come down at a certain point and there'd be some like vulnerability and something like genuine and authentic. And we'd get some insight into who V is or, you know, something. And I, but I, it just never really happened. And, you know, V's kind of, I don't know, they're, they're tough person shtick coupled with, um, with Johnny Silverhand doing a kind of similar kind of, I don't know, guarded, um, a performative kind of guardedness and, and, um, and sort of distance from anything like authentic and real. It, it just, it, it, thank goodness there were other side quests that allowed for something that felt a little more authentic and, and real because that may, that central dynamic did not, um, uh, as much as I think Keanu's performance is quite good, and I just didn't find that central dynamic all that all that engaging because it, I kept expecting it to go somewhere and to develop in interesting ways, and I don't feel like it ever did. Yeah, I want to pick up on something that is specific to Johnny, and I think again crosses both games. So in our initial discussion last year, we were talking about how you know Watch Dogs essentially billing itself as uh, the Antifa simulator to a certain degree. <laughs> right. And right. Uh, I was pretty pleasantly surprised with how strongly it lived up to that. Uh, to a certain degree, you really were just building, um, in my case, a Black Lives Matter cell. All of my people were black. <laughs> and and, and uh, the game is diverse enough to allow me to have chosen a black character for like every subset. You know, I had a black beekeeper who was going around and sticking bees on people and stuff like that. That oh, took a, a nice. good afternoon to grind uh, to find yeah. a black beekeeper. But, you know, like... <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I did do it. And, and it, it felt really rewarding. And I was really excited to play the game that way. And um, I just kept getting 
really blown away by the the talk radio in Legion. Uh, ironically, they had to edit it because one of the people that they hired yeah. made yeah. some transphobic comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really just love how transphobia is the common denominator in uh, yeah. so many of these recent shortcomings. But um, they did a really good job of political education, I think, in those uh, segments. Mm-hmm. Even the satire one, I thought was a really good... Uh, way of poking fun at how ridiculous capitalism had become at that point and obviously is today to us. And Mm -hmm. what I found exhausting almost in cyberpunk (laughs) is that, you know, Johnny just comes off like an asshole, even if I kind of conceptually agree with him. Um, yeah. It's, just, it's, yeah. it's like the worst it, kind of comrade. It, seriously. <laughs> like, and I, I almost wonder if like, I, I almost wonder if they didn't do that on purpose to maintain a kind of like, um, Six cent- feet away. you know, centrism. <laughs> like, like if, he, because if he had been, you know, super anti-corporate and, and actually been like likable, then it might be, it might've been like, oh, this game like actually is espousing those beliefs, those attitudes. And that's good. Like, oh, this game actually is like subversive in terms of its its like worldview. It's actually kind of critical of capitalism and and so on. But 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 the fact that Johnny is such an asshole, um, it, you know, <laughs> it's like the game thinks it's more interesting to do the like shrug your shoulders and like, who can say what is really you know, <laughs> right? Um, then it would, then it is to like commit to, to just being like a straight up, like anti-capitalist or anti-corporate um, viewpoint. And I mean, like, okay. I mean, uh, like I get that we shouldn't expect um, subversive politics from a game that was, made under that is made by a you know a pretty s- massive developer that's made a ton of money off of their last game and that abused their employees to to get this game done but i do appreciate having heard that um as tensions at cdpr have kind of um been heated uh, i think in the in the period since release um, you know, at least one employee did ask leadership um, during some call, like, do you think it's hypocritical of you to have made, a, you know, a kind of anti-corporate game? How what, how anti-corporate the game actually is, is debatable. But like, right. you know, to have made an anti-corporate game, like while, you know, uh, forcing your employees to work like ridiculous amounts of overtime. Like, uh, I appreciate that there are people at CDPR who feel that kind of hypocrisy and who who have that resentment um, because it is messed up. Yeah. It's, ex- yeah. it's seriously messed up. It feels to me like Legion took the messaging really seriously and they they were centrist. Like, they were absolutely committed to centrism. <laughs> they, yes. they allowed yes. the police to get off. Uh, oh, Scott yeah. free. They brought in, you know, the, the what every game does. Spider-Man has done this. Um, yep. All of the recent games where police are involved, they're like, oh, it's not actually the police. It's this paramilitary fascist organization that just happens yeah. to take the place of the police and do what the police would be doing if it wasn't for this paramilitary fascist organization. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> to boil that down, I think you're getting at is like the question of how policing happens, not that policing is happening. Yes, correct. So, you know, Legion, again, 
it wasn't trying to turn anyone into a communist. However, I, I think that there was a level of earnestness in the recruits in the characters that you were playing, like they were all true believers. They were all trying to fix the wrongs of the world. Um, They really had some committed political philosophies going on in the background. You know, you don't have to listen to the radio station. You don't have to read some of the lore and stuff that really cements some anti-capitalist perspectives. But like Mm. at the very least it wasn't, um, you know, for show, whereas in cyberpunk, yeah. maybe not for show is the right word, but like I, I agree with you. I do think that they made some of the most sympathetic and interesting characters the corporate identified people. Um, and there's also a, a great uh, amount of confusion about how they actually feel. I think baked into the world. Um, I was talking to Cedric off the podcast about how GTA presents itself as a satire, as a parody. Like it's very uh-huh. clearly not trying to make a super serious political statement, you know, in the way that it's like a manifesto, they are trying to make some statements, but it's like, sure. you know, yes. they recognize that they're not doing that much deep work that it's basically just South Park, the video game, you know, <laughs> kind, kind of stuff. CD Projekt Red, on the other hand, is like, super self-important and self-serious in terms of its marketing and all that other kind of stuff. And even in the world itself, like night city, but in terms of Mm -hmm. how they actually end up treating some of the horrific stuff that we do and see in this game, it's just kind of like very blase. Yeah. Like very like, yeah. Like, (laughs) like, uh, when you try to, this this is early in the game. You, uh, Mm -hmm. talk to like a brain dance person, like dealer. And, like, he's just like, yeah, we got, like, all this fucked up shit over here. You want to feel, like, what it feels like to die? That's going to cost some eddies, man. And, like, no one's like, I'm like, but the, you, so, hold up. Yeah. Somebody died. <laughs> like, right. what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very clear that, like, um, like, all those things that could be lenses through which the, the game world might be, you know, critiqued or might function as a critique of, capitalism or as you know or of policing or you know whatever element of the real world it, it is in cyberpunk 2077 none of them i don't think are actually leveraged as critique rather they're all just like um they're all just treated as like texture you know to make the world mm, kind of kind dark of dark and gritty uh, dark and gritty and you know seamy and but in that way that's like a kind of alluring and cool and you know and they're never like so it takes a little bit of deliberate effort on the part of a creator to kind of twist something like that to the point where it actually is is clearly um clearly lands as a critique right but i don't i i never really felt that cyberpunk doing that you know like you very early on you're riding in a car with jackie and you know this is as the game is just kind of introducing you to to night city into the whole world of the game and you see some i think they're called gangers like you see some gang members um basically and then you see this um like super high powered uh, police strike force basically just like fly yeah. in on some kind of gunship or something and just like wipe them out. And, you know, like that's the sort of thing that, you know, it, it, 
it could in the right context be, for instance, like a critique of militarized police and like the the use of extreme force by police or what have you. But I mean, I really think the way it's used in Cyberpunk 2077, it's more the sort of thing that just a lot of players are just going to go like, cool. Like, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's I almost kind of wish and bad on me for not actually playing this game yet, but it was described to me. So I think yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish they might have taken like a Disco Elysium route and like at mm. least, you know, give us some options to react to something like it doesn't even, you know, have to be like the whole like lefty whatever. Right. But even like if it was just like, say something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Commentary yeah, this other than like, yeah, this is just yeah. what it is. Johnny is like the closest thing this game has to a, a sort of view, viewpoint statement like producer like but because he is presented in such this kind of like ambiguous assholeish light constantly where you're not really like on board with what he's saying necessarily i don't know it just feels like this game goes to great lengths to to avoid saying something where it Mm. could where it could say something and it's and it just feels kind of toothless yeah yeah yeah. Slight spoilers. spoilers, but the one mission that I think they were actually really successful in getting me to think in that, mm. like, I'm still thinking about this, um, mm-hmm. is the the Sinnerman uh side quest series, right? Where you end up meeting someone who is in prison for multiple murders and they're on like a path to repentance. And mm. without spoiling anything, you basically join them on their their journey on what is their final or close to final day because mm-hmm. of the consequences of the crimes that they committed, except you find out some details about the consequences and it's mm. like a little weird and you start yeah. to realize that they're actually going to invoke religion, which is, again, I think the only time in the, the game that they've invoked religion so far, mm-hmm. which I you know, find again, another really interesting thing, given how much content uh, there could be in world building with regard to what fucking religions look like in 2077, when you can replace your body with Chrome. Like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) I I think there would be more of a religious conversation, but whatever they can find it to this one side mission so far. But I think it actually was very successful in asking some big questions. Um, within the context of the mission. And I think that's what they thought they were doing with all these other um, Mm. conversations. And really they, it it, it did not get that far for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we've spent a lot of time talking about cyberpunk Um, (laughs) before we let you go. I do just want to, you know, get some general thoughts um, about where you ended up with Legion just generally, because uh, I know that that was also something that we were pretty excited about. And yeah, uh, that was also a game that was kind of like, okay, fascism simulator. And it was marketed that way. So just curious on your uh, landing there, uh, how you felt about it. Uh, you know, um, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's fine. Like I think Legion is fine, I guess is where I land with it. Like I don't, I think, don't think that ultimately like it's still as you say as you know as as you said like it's not as if it's doing like full-throated radical politics like it somehow manages despite being clearly very much a sort of ripped from the headlines kind of game that is 
trying to resonate with a lot of the concerns about fascism on the rise and a lot of like uh, social justice movements and things like it, it, it always is, is very calculated in the way that it kind of avoids embracing that stuff too, too closely. And so, you know, you get these awkward kind of jarring mix of like, what almost feels like leftist um, attitudes, but then there's always like, <laughs> like yes. the, but weirdly like juxtaposed with like very centrist kind of stuff. And it's like, ah, like, what is this world? Like, how is it, how is it this way? Like, that doesn't make sense that these two things would be like, uh, and I'm, I'm, it's been, it's been a while. I'm, so I'm, I'm blanking on like specific examples, but there were definitely moments in the game where I'm like, wait, why uh, that's yeah, no, like, like, why are these people like radically voicing attitude X, which is like a centrist, like whatever, like milk toast kind of talking point. Um, but they're doing it so radically and emphatically and like whatever. Um, so I, I was, it was frustrating in that same sense of like, I, I, I feel like there's potential here, but there's, it seems like we can't get away from this need to like not be ideologically sort of threatening to the status quo in AAA games, right? Like AAA games need to remain kind of, kind of, they need to find ways, like even when they're doing something that is so clearly inspired by radical politics and, and what have you, there's always that, that centrism. And that's, that's front. And I feel like that's, I mean, is that going to just get increasingly like untenable uh, in the future? Like how, or is this, is this some balancing act just going to maintain itself mm. forever? I, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Legion is more like those, um, those elements of acknowledging the moment that we're in historically are so prevalent that I don't know. It it almost it feels like you you can't keep walking down that path and maintain that balance forever. Um, so it just leaves me wondering where we go from here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm like sitting here thinking about like for talking about what representation. It's like even in cyberpunk, the representation is like so flawed that like you know as a black character, you're still mm-hmm. coded as what or like you know as whatever. You know, you make your V, you're still like basically a white dude walking around. Right. And, you know, it's, I was like going to ask, like, what do you think it would sort of look like to change that? And now I'm like, I don't know, is like doing that even just too radical for a AAA game to begin yeah. with? Like, is that even like something to realistically expect sometime down the line? Uh, I, and I, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, your guess is as, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I think we may have to look to to the indie games. Mm-hmm. Kentucky Road Zero, uh, I think, uh, as far as cyberpunk goes, Umurangi Generation is uh, a, an indie cyberpunk game from this year that actually is like, um, you know, it, it it puts the punk in cyberpunk. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's made by like one person. So maybe I think we may have to look to those much smaller games um that aren't that aren't you know relying on um uh, just tr- trying to maximize mainstream appeal for profit um 
you know, to as far as where we're going to find our our radical politics mm-hmm. um, in games. Legion for me was it was this sort of internally dissonant um, experience, but I don't know. It, it, uh, it was it was fun. Like I like the gameplay didn't blow me away or anything, um, but I, I had fun with it. You know, I think that and I think that the emergent aspects of its hacking and gameplay certainly were are, are more lively and more interesting than anything that cyberpunk does with its with its hacking yeah i also think just to throw one more bomb out there for everyone who's not already <laughs> furious that we are not sufficiently in love with cyberpunk uh-huh. yeah, no, we, um, we lost a couple followers today uh, <laughs> um i actually think that legion does the whole human conscious upload conversation better oh right right yeah yeah cyberpunk does like (laughs) there are some pretty (laughs) deep philosophical um questions that legion poses about the ethics of that and to cyberpunk's credit i think that your default position is that's fucked up it shouldn't be happening um the game doesn't really present it any other way uh which i think is interesting but in terms of like how it would actually work how it would play out what it would really mean i think that Mm -hmm. legion does a better job of kind of holistically um engaging with that concept and i even made a comment to cedric like i'm actually really happy that legion came out first because if legion had come out second how many people would be claiming that ubisoft stole concepts Uh and stuff like that i mean which right which is silly in the sense i mean you're right but it's silly in the sense that i mean like you know read like any cyberpunk book from the say like the (laughs) 80s or whatever like that's like these ideas of of um of, of consciousness of like spirituality of mortality or or digital immortality and like the consequences around that and all of that i mean ha- have been part and parcel of cyberpunk literature you know from from the get-go basically um and yeah like ultimately i i, I was underwhelmed by cyberpunk's handling of that like i feel like it, it does something thing with its ending that I feel like, oh, you're, you, you, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're going for something really big and transcendent there, but I don't think you, I don't think you really stuck the landing because I, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't lay the groundwork well enough for me for the kind of philosophical explorations that it seems to, to want to have. So I feel like it's, it's just like, yeah, I, 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 basically, I agree. I think Legion does that, um, that stuff more um, deliberately and more thoughtfully than Cyberpunk does. Yeah, I think that was a fantastic conversation and and a good place to wrap. I mean, we could absolutely talk about this for hours and hours and hours. We barely even touched upon the funniest aspects of the bugs and oh yeah that kind of stuff (laughs) caroline i don't know if you know this but cedric and i are both console scrubs and so like luckily enough i have the next gen xbox and cedric has the one x so we haven't been completely you know unable to play it but um i've definitely given up on the idea of feeling like this is the best experience i could be having because yeah you know i i i'm gonna clip through my vehicle in the next cutscene, a hundred percent. Like it's just yeah. it's absolutely going to happen. Yeah. I, right. And I mean, you know, there's a, 
there, it is interesting, like how, like, where is the line? Where does that stuff go from being like amusing to being like, like genuinely irksome, right? Because yeah. sometimes I, I can enjoy a little bit of open world kind of jank. You know, if I see, uh, you know, I saw some footage of in cyberpunk of like, of some street, right? Where there's like a barricade along the street and like every car that came along the street was like hitting the barricade and the drivers <laughs> and the drivers would like shout, you know, some, you know, whatever canned voice line, basically implying that V like, you know, because V is sta- obviously standing right there um, as if V had done something to make them crash into the barricade or whatever. I, <laughs> Like that to me was just, it's just amusing. Like, it's just kind of funny to see that. And, but obviously like at a certain point, then things, things, when things don't work right, um, it it becomes a real problem. But, um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad people are getting some enjoyment out of, out of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm definitely playing it. Like, again, I, I really am roped in by the story and the, the, yep. the yeah. side content yeah. and those characters. Um, yeah, it is definitely starting to wear on me the world. I am a little exhausted of how awful it is. Not awful yeah. in terms of like bugs, but like just how bleak. The, you know, and, and one more thing I want to say about the Asian representation in the game too, is that I, I think, you know, one of the issues where when you have, with so many of your like Asian characters who are at all developed in any meaningful way in the story kind of talk about, um, talk a lot about stuff like honor and betrayal and things like that. It, you know, like there's, there's this, there's this thing where like, yeah, we're like, I think, you know, with, with this and then with the Mulan live action movie and with, um, I don't know, a lot of stuff, it's just like, can we can we get some representations of like Asian people who who aren't who don't seem like their whole ideology and worldview is like, uh, you know, out of, say, out of like Ghost of Tsushima or whatever. Right. Like like as if as if all Japanese people are like obsessed with like honor and uh, those <laughs> right. kinds of things all the time. You know, let's like I don't know. That's that I think is a real problem with a lot of. Asian representation these days. And it's unfortunate to see that um, being repeated or perpetuated in cyberpunk as well. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Some things patches can't fix. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying, man. The patches are not gonna, are not gonna make this a, uh, a, a great game. Like it's <laughs> just, it's, it's just at its core. Fundamentally it is, it is an interesting game. Sure. A game I, I'm glad I played a game that gave me a lot to think about, but a deeply, deeply flawed game. Um, and it, it will it will remain that no matter how much it gets patched. Yeah. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for coming back. We appreciate your time yeah. and uh, all of your incredible thoughts and opinions. We are constantly linking to your work in our show notes and referencing you. your work in uh, in our other episodes. So our listeners should definitely be aware of the Polygon article about Legion as well as your review. So we'll link to those again in the show notes. Uh, but is there anything in particular that you wanted to shout out or, or promote? 
Uh, not really. I mean, um, I'm kind of uh, probably, you know, trying to take a little bit of a break um, now that it's uh, the holiday season. So um, I don't have any any pieces in the works like for the very near future. But folks can just follow me on Twitter at Carolyn Michelle. And um, that's probably the best way to keep up with uh, with with my work. You know, I'll always promote my my stuff there. So. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always great to talk to you. Oh, we're (laughs) blushing. (laughs) That was a show. That was a show. That was a year. What the hell you gonna do now? <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. Thank you to everyone listening. I hope that your 2021 is significantly better than 2020. I hope our conversation with Carolyn helped jump start that for you. Um, thanks again to Carolyn for joining us. We really appreciate you. We hope that you enjoyed and that you tell a gamer friend. You tell two. Tell as many gamer friends as you would like. As you would like. Um, we also have to thank our Patreon subscribers. For supporting us for almost a year now. It'll be a year that we started it in February. But wow. yeah, crazy, right? That's mm. wow. Abner, Emma, Sarah, Enya, Cody, and Nerdy. Thank you so much. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. And until next time, we're your gamer friends. Deuces. See, I'll let you say it this time. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye, y'all.